Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Tasha Radel takes a closer look at the DNR's recently announced and controversial catch-and-release walleye regulations on Lake Mille Lacs. I get some insight from an expert on the growing problem of credit card skimming at Minnesota ATMs and gas pumps. And Bill Werner has the latest on a divisive issue at the legislature and throughout the state, what to do about the Appleton prison. But first, the world was shaken by Tuesday's terrorist bombings in Belgium. More than 30 people were killed in the attacks at the Brussels airport and subway station. Former Golden Gopher basketball star Andre Hollins is playing professionally in Belgium. His girlfriend is Gopher women's star Rachel Bannum, who was supposed to fly to Brussels on Wednesday to visit him. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has more. I'm 20 minutes from the Brussels airport, so I'm really close. Uh, I've been there at least, I want to say, five or six times, you know, just going in and out, picking up uh, my mom, you know, uh, been to Brussels quite a lot, you know, that, and that's that's the scary part that I've, I've been there. I've been in the, the train station in Brussels, uh, train station and in the airport. That's, that's the, that's the scary part. But, uh, today I woke up before practice and my, uh, we have a group message with my teammates here and, uh, they, one of them, uh, sent a picture of like the, the carnage and he's like, yeah, they just, they just blew up the airport. And my first thought is, I'm, I'm like, wow, I could because last night I just uh, I just bought a ticket for Rachel to come out here. We just decided uh, that we were going to cancel it. It's, it's it's not worth it. It's too risky. It's too risky at this point, you know. And uh, that was a that was a huge bummer uh, because we hadn't seen each other since uh, December. You know, we were really looking forward to it. Got the plane ticket in order. We both were really excited. But then uh, they woke up in the morning and told everything changed. When you heard the news, when you saw what had happened, I mean, lives have been lost here. I mean, are, are, are you, I mean, are, how, how one, how scared are you to be living there? I mean, I haven't heard anything about Belgium being like a dangerous country or anything. And I mean, this is your livelihood. You're playing professional basketball yeah. for a living. I mean, are you, you, you staying? I mean, are you sure you're staying? Do you think, are you considering like, hey, maybe I, I shouldn't stay? Do you feel for your safety? Kind of take me through your thoughts there. It's nothing easy, I suppose. I'm still kind of processing it all. You know, first the Paris attack, now Brussels. Like I've been to Paris twice already, and been to Brussels, and it's like I could have been there at any moment. And like God forbid that if this was this was if this happened tomorrow, I, I would have been panicking because Rachel would have been in the air, been there. And I'm in shock. I'm still in shock, really, about what happened. You know, uh, but as far as just, I, I feel safe here. You know, all around, just since I've been here, the uh, eight months I've been here, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty safe, I have a sense of security, but now in, like, public places, uh, like Brussels, Paris, like, tourist attractions, like public transportation, I'm, I'm going to steer away from that as much as possible. That seems to be the, the target area for for the terrorists. In the league you play, and this is a Belgium league, so you're not you're not using the airport a whole lot, right? You're mostly on buses no, going never, from town to town. Never, never using the airport. Uh, I, uh, the only flights I've been on is coming here, going back for Christmas break. 
That's the that's the only fights because Belgium is a relatively small country. Everything's about two hours. Longest uh, drive has been at least like two hours. One uh, one crazy thing is that one of the teams that uh, that's in our league, the Antwerp Giants, they were actually at the airport when it happened. A fellow um, Big Ten player, uh, Melson Basabi from Iowa, he plays for the Giants. So uh, I'm just I'm, I'm happy that that they they got out of there uh, safe and sound. But that's just I don't know. It's just another thing that hits closer to to the heart. It's, it's so close by. Like this is this is right up the street from me. I don't know. It's definitely it's definitely a time where I try to you know just be worthful of my surroundings and stay prayed up and you know <laughs> I don't know I'll stay inside really and not try to be out too much. As this thing continues to unfold, um, you mentioned that Rachel is not going to come. Did you have other family members maybe planning visits at some point where where now they also will end up maybe not making those trips? No, not yet. Uh, my mom and, my mom has already come out here. Uh, we actually had a great time. Well, we went to Paris as well, coincidentally. But uh, we went to Paris actually probably is either a week or two before the the Paris attacks happened, actually. It was probably like two weeks before the Paris attack. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, it's starting to hit home. Like, this is this is real. Mm. <laughs> like, you you see, like, when you, like, you know, people over in America, it, you know, it affects them, but it doesn't, you know, just resonate directly to them. And when this, is, this really hit home for me, because I'm right down the street, and this could have happened any time this weekend. It happened the day after I booked a, a plane ticket for Rachel to come out here. So, you know, that's that's extra scary. And, you know, I just thank God that, you know, that, you know, it, nothing bad. It had, like, it, it didn't happen on another day. But, you know, you know, I just still feel sorry for the, uh, for the people who lost their lives for the nonsense. Well, you know, that's sad. Well, we were certainly when the when the news broke, we thought of you immediately, and we wanted to uh, check in and make sure everything was good. We're glad to hear that everyone's safe and sound, and uh, hang in there. I know it can get lonely over there, and uh, probably this doesn't help much, but uh, we know you're having a good year on the court, one of the leading scorers in the league, and uh, good luck the rest of the way, and uh, stay safe, my friend. Hey, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. Okay, appreciate take- everyone checking up on more Minnesota matters after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week, the DNR announced a controversial plan to protect the walleye population on Mille Lacs Lake starting mid-May. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. It is a controversial issue, and many were shocked this week when they learned it would be a catch-and-release-only season for walleye on Mille Lacs Lake and that no live bait can be used when fishing for walleye. In recent years, Mille Lacs' walleye population has fallen significantly, and officials have really struggled to balance the demands of local businesses dependent on walleye fishing with the need to rebuild the fishery itself. Joining me now is Don Pereira, DNR Fisheries Chief. Don, what is causing the walleye population decline? We do know that it's because the walleyes, after their first summer until they're about three years old, aren't surviving as high as they used to. Prior to the mid-90s, we would produce really big year classes every several years, every three to five years, that would fuel and drive this fantastic fishery. 2013 is a, is a strong year class. The last time we had a strong year class was 2002. That's an 11-year gap, and we know it's because these younger fish, because of changes in behavior, because of changes likely related to increased water clarity that started happening 20 years ago, we know that they're not surviving at the rate that we want them to survive. We know that is the fundamental reason why this population has declined. This went out to five very sharp scientists outside of Minnesota, one of them from Minnesota, um, others from elsewhere in the country that have worked on problems like this to do an independent review. They came to the same conclusion. Without look, just, we just gave them our data. We didn't tell them what to say. We didn't tell them what our hypotheses were. They did it themselves. They came up with the same conclusion. That's the report that's re- referred to as the Blue Ribbon Panel. Yeah, that information is on our website too, by the way, so any members of the public can go on and look at it. Don, let's talk about the ultimate goal here. First of all, um, we we want to be um, cognizant of our primary conservation need, and that is to really conserve um, the current spawning population of fish and the best shot at at resupplying that spawning population, which would be the 2013-year class. So those fish have been in the lake through three growing seasons now. Um, It's going to be a couple years before we see a lot of females maturing and spawning, so we we don't want to start fishing that um, population um, with targeted fishing um, just yet. So that's the that's the number one conservation need. Um, and then you know the 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 clear message that we're getting from advisors is that we really want to do um, whatever we can to avoid having to close the lake again like we had to do last summer. So that's why we decided we've did, we did we worked over analyses over and over and over again. Um, we brought stuff to the committee. They made suggestions. We went back, did some more analyses. We had another conference call with them. And that's basically how we arrived at where we're at with, which, with um, a catch and release uh, season. Did you ever consider allowing anglers to harvest the walleye? We looked at options such as allowing just harvest of one fish early or maybe ha- allowing harvest of one fish later in the summer, um, allowing harvest to fish early um, increases that risk too much of the state um, exceeding its allocation. Um, so we looked at that very closely. I was kind of shocked to hear that anglers couldn't use live bait. Can you kind of explain that and why we're only allowing artificial bait? Now, the live bait ban, what's going on there is that what happens in the fishing process um, when anglers uh, catch a fish, 
and release it. There's a probability that that released fish is going to die. We understand um, that probability fairly well. It's driven largely by temperature. So when, when temperature water temperature gets fairly warm in the summer, that mortality rate goes up quite a bit. We need to estimate the number of fish that die after release. And that those still are, even though it's hard to accept this for the average angler, those essentially are still fish that died by fishing mortality, even though they weren't harvested and used. Otherwise, that fish would be still swimming in the lake and contributing to future populations. So the live, what the live bait ban does is that when you fish live bait, especially on a slack line, the incidence of deeper and fatal hooking is higher. And plus, it takes longer to release a fish unless you just simply cut the line, which, which, which is what anglers should do with the deep hooked fish. Um, but quite often, they don't. With artificial lures, quite often the fish are hooked in the mouth, and they can be released a lot quicker, and there's a lower frequency of, of injury to internal critical uh, vital internal organs. So we've estimated, based on some of our data, that we need to get better data on this and we're going to this coming year, as well as information in the scientific literature, that if we go artificial baits only, we could possibly reduce those losses to hooking mortality by about half. That's significant. I know Mille Lacs has kind of been uh, dubbed the premier walleye lake and is well known across the country. But, um, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit, it's also great fishing for northern pike and bass, correct? I mean, walleye still the big fish in the lake, even though they've, they've been a, in a declined state here for a while. But still, there's, it's, a, it's a spectacular lake. It is, uh, uh, you know, BASS is the big, huge national organization for bass and bass tournaments. And largemouth bass are or black bass are the single most popular sport fish in the entire country. Mille Lacs is in their top 10 bass lakes across the entire country for the quality of smallmouth bass fishing. And smaller smallmouth bass from Mille Lacs are actually pretty good table fare. I actually had a th- third-generation operator up there admit to me that he failed a blind taste test between fried walleye and fried smallmouth from Mille Lacs. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And pike are a great fish. Pike are, like, a lot of people that know how to process, properly process and cook pike claim that they like them better than walleye. And pike production has been very high the past several years. There's still a high abundance, relatively high abundance of pike smaller than 30 inches in the lake. And it's perfectly reasonable for anglers to make good use of those. Thanks again to Don Pereira, DNR Fisheries Chief. Minnesota's 2016 fishing season opens Saturday, May 14th. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. 
For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. State officials are paying closer attention to the growing trend of credit card skimming at gas pumps and ATMs statewide. I recently spoke with the Minnesota Better Business Bureau's Barb Greeman about how the skimmers work and what we can all do to protect our money and our identities. Credit card skimming is something that's been a terrible problem in Minnesota for quite some time. And a card skimmer is simply an electronic device that can record credit and debit card information and thieves can install these devices to a gas into a gas pump or onto an ATM and then collect information that can be used to commit identity theft or fraud and so we are trying to get the word out about card skimming and how to protect yourself you know from it and then the Department of Commerce, now as we understand it, has a great program that they're starting uh, through their Weights and Measurements Division along with their Enforcement Division. And it's going to do two things. First of all, to perform a sweep of gas stations across the state to check for skimmers. And then number two, to educate owners and operators on card skimmers and how to best protect their customers. So it's a it's a wonderful endeavor and we're we're very pleased to see it. The Better Business Bureau has put out um, many uh, press releases on card skimming and how to protect yourself from it uh, for a long time. So we're we're happy that the Department of Commerce is is doing that right now. And Barb, what can consumers look for specifically if they want to check and see and make sure that everything's on the up and up? Is there a way to eyeball that and figure that out? Yeah, there really is. You know, first of all, um, you know, before you swipe your card, check the pump for any signs of any kind of forced entry, including uh, there may be some security tape. Some of the gas stations are now using um, a red tape. And the tape is on the pump, and if you see that the uh, the pump has been tampered with, uh, then you should uh, notify the gas station operator or manager so they can shut the pump down. And you'll know it's been tampered with. If the tape has been moved, you'll see the word void. The word void will appear on the tape. 
So um, that's one way to, you know, to see that there's been a problem. But you can also look for marks and scratches that could have come from tools used to tamper with the pump. And then be aware that any pump could be a skim, you know, could have a, a skimmer inside of it. And, um, and what the Department of Commerce says is that pumps at the end uh, of stations are the easiest places to install skimmers without being seen by a gas station employee. So those may be a little more prone to these, these skimmers. Um, we always tell people that if they want to protect themselves a little further, they can walk into the gas station and pay with a credit card and, uh, you know, or select credit at the pump instead of a debit uh, card, and then you'll never have to enter your PIN number at the pump. So there's, there's many ways that, you know, you can, you can protect yourself. And I just think being aware that these skimmers exist is is a big step. Just out of curiosity, Barb, do we know where uh, these folks are able to find the technology or the skimmers to, to put into the pumps? Well, as we understand it, the technology is very simple. It's not that complicated, and it's very easy to install. So that's the problem, is that there's really a very low, you know, it, it's sort of a low-risk and easy to do, and it can glean some very big rewards for these scammers. So that's part of the problem. It's not that difficult. All right. Well, we'll certainly get the word out there to our listeners to keep an eye out for this sort of thing. And if they do uh, run into something suspicious, as you mentioned, they should talk to the station owner. Is there, is there also, should they contact the BBB as well? We'd love it if they contacted the BBB. If you go to BBB.org, you can report it through our scam tracker. So we have a, a wonderful program called Scam Tracker where you can report scams in your area. Um, or otherwise, just you know, let us know through the website, or you can give us a call, 1-800-646-646. Thank you to the Better Business Bureau's Barb Greenman for that helpful information. More Minnesota Matters in a minute. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, and son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of... Your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather... So learn F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Lawmakers opened a can of worms at the state capitol this week when a House committee passed a bill to have the state lease and reopen the currently closed private prison in Appleton. Governor Dayton opposes it, arguing Minnesota needs to reduce its prison population by lowering sentences for some nonviolent drug offenses 
MNN's Bill Werner covered the hearing. Bill, this really turned into a tug-of-war between rural and urban Minnesota, didn't it? You have that right, Scott. People from greater Minnesota made their pleas to lawmakers while protesters from the Twin Cities interrupted them. Paul Ramo with the Appleton Area Chamber of Commerce told lawmakers reopening the prison will bring jobs that will help businesses in the area. The barber in nearby Madison, the butcher shop in Dawson, the Riverside apartment owners that have apartments sitting empty in Appleton, do it for them. The car dealer in Benson, the small gas station in Bellingham, the Moore Cafe in neighboring Milan is, is a family business. You see, opening the prison in Appleton and bringing high-paying union jobs will drive more customers to local businesses and will affect thousands and thousands of Minnesotans in western Minnesota. This is the state of art. This is this is a state-of-the-art prison, and it's sitting empty. Minnesota, Minnesota has a severe problem with overcrowding in its jails and a problem. Protesters from the Twin Cities who had interrupted the hearing at various points turned up the volume. Ma'am, could I ask you to sit down so I don't have to have you removed? No. Okay, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go into recess and clear the room. Thank you. The hearing reconvened later, and opponents of reopening the Appleton prison had their say. Vanessa Taylor with the Black Liberation Project. Listen, talking about rural Minnesota, how all y'all want to do is win the votes. Obviously, because you bust them out here. But where are the kids whose communities you're going to over-police? See, I'm 20 years old, so I'm one of the black youth that you want in those prisons, right? I have trauma from what the 4th Precinct did to me. And instead of helping us with that, you shuttle us into prisons? We are not your cattle. You may seem to think so, because that's what your ancestors brought us here as. That's what y'all wanted us to be, but that is not the reality anymore. Governor Mark Dayton says if a bill to reopen the Appleton prison reaches his desk this legislative session, he will veto it. But Dayton did seem to leave the door open for future sessions. I don't want this to be seen as an endorsement. The only way, way I could consider, consider that in the future would be to buy it, rehab, and then operate it with, with uh, state employees. And that is a hugely expensive proposition. And that's something that you know, I'm certainly you know, willing to you know, discuss in the, in the interim, but it's not going to happen in this session unless they override my veto. Governor Mark Dayton, that bill is not likely to pass the Minnesota Senate, but the issue is certainly in front of people during this abbreviated 2016 session. Scott? MN's Bill Werner, but we're not going to let him leave just quite yet because this week a Senate committee passed a bill that would set up a pilot testing project in Minnesota for what are termed autonomous vehicles. In other words, cars that drive themselves. And Bill has been thinking about the implications. Google is having some problems testing its new self-driving vehicle, which looks like a cross between a smart car and a VW bug. It's been running into things on Los Angeles roads. No big crashes so far. But still one more thing that already harried motorists have to worry about. I thought about all the things that that little onboard computer with electronic eyes and a silicone brain would have to watch if it were negotiating the streets of, say, downtown Minneapolis. Pull out of the parking ramp. You stop so I don't run over the pedestrians hugging walls so they don't get splashed by rain. Okay, I see the bus coming from the left before I make my turn. 
There's a woman crossing in the middle of the block with her nose in her smartphone. I have no idea what I am supposed to do at this intersection. There is a do not enter sign. There's a no right turn sign, a no left turn sign, and a light rail train is coming right at me. Guess I'll stay where I am. Okay, that has gone by. Make the next turn. I saw that bicycle come up on my left, narrowly missed the skateboarder, then make a right turn in front of me. That I did not like. Here comes the police car. He is not chasing the bicyclist, however, but rather another driver who's texting while applying makeup. The ambulance and the fire truck following close behind, but they are going around the block to where a motorcycle hit a pedal pub. Among the casualties, 50 gallons of microbrew right into the gutter. Also, there are calling cards from the police mounted patrols stallions, which proceed to get splashed all over the side of my car. But at least the windows are not open. Now, the real problem here, I think, is that we, as heirs of a great continent and a privileged position in the world, have somehow come to expect that our birthright, the true and rightful state of things in America, is for us to be able to go wherever we want to go, the exact moment we wish to go, without anyone getting in our way. And perhaps we hope that someday soon these computers will be able to restore that state of youth for us so that we no longer are distracted by driving and can focus on making all the money necessary to finance that vast infrastructure and the clever devices so that we can again have the freedom of the open road in the United States of America. Bill Werner on the Minnesota News Network. That's going to do it for this week. Tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.